0: Hello and welcome to Lands of YA, a podcast focused on young adult literacy, brought to you by the Ocean County Libraries Team Literacy Workgroup. My name is Cecilia. I'm one of the team librarians at the Tom's River Branch. Joining me today, we have... I'm Courtney. I'm the team librarian at the Stafford Branch. My name is Summer, and I am the team librarian at the Long Beach Island Branch. And I'm
1: Kristen, a team librarian from the Little Egg Harbor Branch.
0: On today's episode, we will be talking about horror books, like scary stories, ghosts, murder, and other things that go bump in the night. We will be discussing all of these on this episode. So my first question for everyone is how would you uh, yourself define horror? What elements uh, go into a horror book?
2: One of the standards for me is when you've got this sense of foreboding, like there's something going on and you don't always get to see what it is on the page, but there's things happening in the background. That really adds to the spooky factor for me.
1: I would agree with Courtney. I would also just add it's that unsettled feeling. I think for me, horror can be scary monsters, horror can be ghosts, horror can be like weird things that happen in real life, but it's just like this feeling of being unsettled and not really knowing what is making you unsettled.
0: I agree as well for for myself at least, horror is more about atmosphere than anything else. I seek that out in any horror film I watch too. Um, there's a sense of otherworldliness and something that's waiting for you in the dark. What I'm getting from everyone is the feeling it gives you and the atmosphere it creates in the in the novel. What are some like tropes that you come to mind when you think of YA horror specifically? One thing I've seen that at least I think has been really a hot topic lately is in you know, true crime and thrillers. In the horror genre, like one of us is lying, it has a sense of reality in it that I think is appealing, and it combines the classic "Who Done It" with a more modern context. That's something that I've been seeing um, growing in popularity at the moment, and it reminds me of a book that I, I read in high school um, when I was actually a teen. Called "I Hunt Killers" by Barry Lyga, which was quite quite scary. Um, and a good fan- for anyone who's a fan of like criminal minds. It's about a kid whose father was a notorious serial killer, and who therefore has all of this knowledge of how to commit crimes and murder, but he doesn't want to have that knowledge, and he's unsure if having that knowledge makes him inherently evil or not and so he starts using that knowledge and those skills to to track down killers yeah i know true crime is really popular
1: especially now what about you kristen any tropes come to mind i don't know if it would be necessarily a trope but i well two things i'm noticing a trend that follows or parallels trends in new horror movies for adults that horror books are taking into account as they always have social issues so like um recently i read white smoke by tiffany d jackson and there are elements to that that are true scary ghosty but there are also elements to that that talk about the experiences of underrepresented communities and the blending of families and all of those kinds of things that are happening with the horror. So horror doesn't happen in a vacuum. All of the issues of the day are also part of those books. I think for me, tropes. Oh, Clown in a Cornfield. That one's Adam Cesar. You can't Um, go wrong with clowns. Very terrifying. Oh, yes. Well, that's what it is. So, like, clowns, cornfields, murdery things. That is, for me, like, pure horror. But Clown in a Cornfield also has a lot to say about there's something going on with these kids, you know? And I think that that's the big YA piece is why is this YA horror and what sets it aside? And that has to do with the trope for me is it's not just like a scary cornfield, but there's a social aspect. It's horror says something about society. And that is the most exciting part for me.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of YA novels at least have something grounded in reality
1: with horror. Wanted to add, like that is part of the horror genre. We're not just saying that there's scary ghosts and monsters, scary ghosts and monsters are reflections of society. And so exactly. that's, for me, part of the genre is making sure that you're tied to saying something about what's happening in real life.
0: You know what that just reminded me of is um, I'm a huge fan of the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that's something that I think is so special about that show is it brings up that parallel between the drama and the trauma we go through as young people and the contrast of the horror you're facing in the paranormal or supernatural sense i think when the show first came out one of the taglines was high school is hell and they tie into that because the whole thing is that the sunnydale high school is based on this portal to a demon realm and that's something they bring up a lot in the show is the contrast between Buffy is living her life as a vampire slayer, and she's battling demons and werewolves and vampires and risking her life every day. And then she also has an algebra test, or who's going to ask her to the prom? Or she's having a fight with her mother, and
2: it really brings it back to that that base in reality, like Kristen was saying. That's actually a great tie-in for one of my favorite tropes that I've been noticing, which is the monster hunter. I feel like for a long time you had the YA and it was the paranormal where it was always more on the side of romance not all of it but a lot of it was was more on the side of romance and now I'm reading a lot more where it really is digging into this like horrific situation where you've got a teen you know a, a young person who has the knowledge or the ability to try and fight something that is doing harm in their community and they feel like they're obligated to do it. But I mean, they're too young to have this responsibility. It's a responsibility no one's really prepared for because they're fighting literal ghosts or monsters. And I really enjoy that. I think it's a a great trope. There's also back to what we were talking about with reflecting different social issues that made me think of the initial insult uh, by Mindy McGinnis, one of the main characters in that her parents die when she's young and she goes from living a relatively comfortable life to being raised by, I think, an uncle who doesn't really want anything to do with her and who he lives out on the locals refer to as the white trash zoo. And it's this place where he has wild animal attractions and she's not got the coolest clothes and she never has any money. It's pushing her to the brink as like a person to really be able to feel that difference between when she was growing up as a child to have the family support and be accepted into her community, to what is she capable of when she is pushed outside of her society, essentially.
0: I was just gonna say what Courtney said about, what you brought up about the transition from, I guess back in the early 2000s, a lot of paranormal fiction was based in romance. Um, Like for, I was thinking about that as well, Especially with the vampire genre. I'm a big fan of vampires in many contexts. And something I've been noticing lately in the publishing world is there are a lot more vampire books coming out, both in YA and in adult fantasy and horror. But they're not necessarily fantasy romances or paranormal romances. And I was talking to my friend about why vampires are coming into vogue again. And one thing they came up with was because a lot of the people that were big readers during that surge in the, like, 90s, Van Rice, and the early 2000s are now writing fiction about monsters, and they're drawing on that nostalgia to create something new within the genre. I never even thought about that. That's <laughs> actually a really good point. Yeah, there's it's- Lost Girls that just came out by Sonia Hartle, and that's right. a- uh, a queer take on the vampire trope there's also a short story collection i read called vampires never get old that does a bunch of different stuff with the topic and there's a couple more it's just it's, it's coming back and i keep telling everybody vampires are coming back it's the best day of my life yeah i've noticed a lot of queer vampire stories have been coming out lately we just got one in called the coldest touch which looks amazing so we talked a lot about tropes, but let's talk about what you guys like, what do you personally enjoy about horror fiction. Have you read anything lately that
1: checks every single box for you? I like The Final Girl. Recently, we've had a bunch of both YA and adult books that are like tongue-in-cheek on the trope of The Final Girl. The Final Girl... Or who will become the final girl knows that the final girl is a thing it's like i i like the humor of horror because there's that piece that we kind of know what's going to happen horror is comfortable because it often follows a formula and i think that for me is one of the things that like draws me to books so recently i've been reading in preparation but also going through the books that I've read. And for me, the Mary Shelley Club, it hit a lot of the marks. So that's Goldie Moldovoski wrote the Mary Shelley Club. And it's like secret society meets murder meets pranks. I like that the members of the Mary Shelley Club are all horror fans. So they all know the things that are supposed to scare people. And the goal is To be the one that isn't scared, but also to be the one that scares the other members of the group. And for me, those books and movies that have tongue in cheek, like scream, the original scream. Jamie Kennedy's character knows here are the things to survive a horror movie, right? And I like that humor piece. In any horror that hits boxes for me, there's got to be something that's pointing back to what horror is as a bigger genre.
0: Summer, have you read anything that checks all your boxes, hard troops, anything that you particularly enjoyed lately? Well, my favorite um, thing to about in horror is monsters. I love monsters. I love the universal monsters and I enjoy particularly, I like when the main hero, most likely a female hero, is the monster. I like For example the movie ginger snaps where which i think is one of the best werewolf movies ever made where our teenage girl um, gets bitten by a werewolf becomes a werewolf because i think there is something very inherent and relatable about the monster transformation in the teenage world because you're going through a time when everything is changing your body your mind your place in your life and your family and in your peer group and then you contrast it with the transformation into some kind of monster and it's similar in a way and it's relatable but it's also empowering even though you are in a sense losing control and that's usually part of the plot it's it is giving you power and something that plays into that is a graphic novel i just read called squad by maggie taputa hall and i've heard it described as like, Ginger Snaps meets Heathers. It's about this girl who comes to a new school, and she is quickly taken in by this popular clique of girls. And she finds out that they are werewolves, and they eat boys. Particularly, they hunt boys from other school districts, and usually ones that they kind of had do I this. They kind of seek out high school boys, that are preying on high school girls. And when they confirm that that boy is going to try to attack them, they uh, lure him away and kill him and eat him. (laughs) But then the main girl starts feeling a little disillusioned with her new popular group. She also finds out that she's kind of developing a crush on one of the girls in the group. And it's kind of about if she's going to choose this life of being empowered, but feeling like she's losing who she is in the process or finding power within herself instead. I love werewolves and I read that one and the artwork in it is amazing. Uh, What about you, Courtney? Anything that you've read recently that is everything that horror should be?
2: (laughs) Here's one that I didn't realize was a lead trope or something that I would dig, but like a lot of the YA horror, I've been reading a few of the different ones. They have this storyline where the main characters, a group of teens, they are descended from people who were doing this monster fighting or, or ghost hunting or whatever, or they've got people in their families. It's like they're finishing the unfinished business left behind by their parents or by their ancestors. I just read Now Entering Adamsville, Francesca Zabia, and this, you've got a main character who hunts these fire-starting monsters, and of course she ends up getting accused of arson because she ends up in places where there is fire a lot of the time. And she's got her mom, who has disappeared, and her dad is in jail, and her cousin, who her family doesn't really get along with with you know her part of the family, and she's got to figure out how to get enough people around her who can help her fight this problem without getting arrested because things keep burning down around her. There was also a few years back, and I just learned that this one actually had a sequel that I need to read, but it's called The Devouring Grey, by Christine Lynn Herman. That's another one where you've got the main character and her mom move back into the town that they came from, and it turns out that she's the latest in uh, one of the founding families of the town, and these four families have been working together for decades or centuries to keep the evil in the woods from taking over their town. I don't know what it is about that that I like. It's part of it is you've got people who are connected who don't necessarily want to have to work together so you can get a little bit of this like enemies to reluctant allies to friends and and i really enjoy that
0: so our next question is what scares you the most when reading what has been the scariest scene or scariest book
2: that you have read what really Gets me what actually makes me feel like creeped out and scared in real life with horror stuff is when there's something that's happening to a character and there are other characters nearby and they can't do anything about it. It's not visible to them or not perceivable or perceptible to them. And I, "The Dead in the Dark" uh, by Courtney Gold. There's a character who can see ghosts, like they're, they're a real thing, and they can see them and like sort of maybe kind of communicate with them sometimes, and the character's trying to use this connection to figure out what's going on. And there is very, very real physical danger, and they're stuck trying to figure out who is who the killer is who is going around doing murder before they get murdered and the only way they have to do that for themselves is to try and communicate with these presences that no one else can see and it's just that helplessness that like you know you're right on the verge of being able to be okay but it goes so wrong and no one can help you with it that actually creeps me out has anybody ever like yelled
0: at a book as you're reading? Like, no, don't go that way. I think I just I close
2: the book. It's like I can't like I can't look at it. We can deal with this right now.
1: <laughs> I can't keep reading to see what is going to happen next. I definitely do that more with movies. It's gotta be infuriating to watch horror movies with me because I <laughs> like if there is a creepy doll, no, I would I would move. Why would you stay in this house? Just, like, leave. Because what, I'm not, no, creepy doll, weird, ghosty, haunting-type situations. I would immediately be gone. I'm like, I don't understand why these people are staying here. Now, with a book, I feel like it's a slower progression. I'm still not happy with what they're doing. Um, <laughs> but, but I've never, like, thrown the book. I tend to throw books when the character that I was invested in dies or something like that happens because then I'm like, why did you kill the person I cared about? And then I'm mad at the book and the author. And, you know, with movies, I am way more vocal with how those choices are not what I would have done.
0: Have you had any scenes that have particularly stood out
1: as this, I can't deal with this? (laughs) Now, that's interesting, because the scenes that I'm screaming at, I still enjoy, because they got me all riled up, but there's a scene, Grady Hendrix has the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, and... And that's an adult uh, book, right? That is, that is an adult book, but I think Grady Hendrix is a little bit of a crossover. I agree. And there is a scene in that book where there's, like, crawlies, oh. like... I "I wonder if she's thinking about that scene. It is because (laughs) for some reason, his description of Uh, uh, what was happening, crawly buggy situation, and like it wasn't scary. It was just, yes, Courtney, it was just nope, nope, nope. That is how I felt. And I almost had to take a break from the scene because it got me all crawly. So it wasn't necessarily scary, but it was, like, it skeeved me out. And I'm actually really happy that other people are agreeing that this was weird and, like, terrifying and possibly traumatizing. But um, that makes me feel, like, (laughs) a little better. Because that scene got me. And I've read horror. And I've seen horror. But that one is just too crawly. Well, she's also, like, hiding, too. So Mm -hmm. that of her like trying not to make a sound Which like, like what Courtney had just talked about there's something on the other side of this door or whatever is happening in the scene there's something on the other side of this door and I might get caught and there's no one to help me all of those pieces like really made that a heightened scene for me yeah I, I
0: kind of had a similar situation when I was reading White Smoke because uh, of her, she has sort of a phobia and a fixation on bed bugs. Yes, and that that just like I had a bad experience with bed bugs, so that was like bringing up stuff
1: for me. And I was scratching yes. <laughs> the whole time I was listening to it. Yes, and I feel like that wasn't supposed to be the horror of the book. Yes, but the, her reactions and feelings and the way that bed bugs were. Something that she fixated on was really powerful to make a heightened sense of anxiety for a reader because that might not be something that has ever impacted me, but my character that I'm following is so on edge because of this thing that the other things can get in.
0: I just want to say, fun fact that that sensation you get when you're reading or thinking about insects and you start feeling itchy is called swarmification. I don't like that. I don't. I don't like that. I get it. I get it all the time. I'm like a very sensitive person, so like I can't even like look at bugs without being like like the summer. My name is Summer, but the summertime with all the insects is is
2: horror for me. I can't deal with it.
1: Even the name of it gives me that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Swarmification sounds like you're going to join though i don't <laughs> i don't <laughs> I like it. it i was talking it all the
0: time So like google what is this sensation and google was like swarmification i was like okay and sometimes giving a name to something lessens the anxiety of it maybe not in this case but it can i would not have named it that
1: because <laughs> <laughs> the idea of a swarm is just like that is terrible <laughs> it's actually
0: really funny that courtney brought up creepy dolls. And Kristen brought up creepy Hendrix, which were both of what I was going to mention in my what scares me thing. But I don't want to interrupt anybody if they have something more to say. Yeah, I think creepy dolls, all right. creepy dolls, clowns, bugs. Well, the thing about the creepy dolls is that I think what scares us really changes over time. Because when I was in high school, I read this book called Bad Girls Don't Die. And in it, the main character, her sister, they move to this new town and her younger sister has recently become really interested in doll collecting. She has like a room full of dolls of all different kinds. And there's one in particular that they like find in the house when they move there that is this really old doll and she takes it with her everywhere. And eventually the older sister starts getting suspicious vibes about the doll. And there's this scene where she's asleep or like half asleep and she starts dreaming and hearing this voice in her head telling her to go unlatch the window and she starts going to the window and she realizes and she doesn't really know what's happening but you as the reader are aware that like this is the doll or the spirit within the doll's voice trying to get her to like go to the window and hurt herself and that really freaked me out when I read it as a teenager like could not sleep because of it however that has changed because You guys are going to hate me, but I collect dolls. (laughs) I have a small collection of vintage dolls that whenever someone comes over to my house, my friends think it's fine. But my husband's friends, when they come over, they're just like, this is terrifying. I do not agree with it. And I'm like, don't be a baby. But now as an adult, the book that I was thinking of that most recently scared me was a Grady Hendrix book. Um, the one I thought of was, I agree totally with everything you said about the Southern Book Club, that did totally freak me out. But what I was thinking of was the one he wrote before that, We Sold Our Souls. There's a thing that Gertie Hendricks does in a lot of his books with his characters where usually the main character goes through a point in the story where they are aware that there is a danger presenting itself to themselves and their friends or family, but no one believes them. They are isolated or otherized in some way that makes them someone that they, their friends and family just don't believe that they're correct in their apprehension, and that kind of is the most terrifying part. That you, as the reader, know that they're correct, but no one believes them, and they're, everyone just thinks they're crazy. And there's this part in Resolver Souls where the main character gets kind of trapped and locked up because they think she's crazy. And she has to escape, and she has to go through this tunnel and wedge herself through this really tight crevice in the rock. And it's this really claustrophobic sense of being pressed down on all sides, but not being able to go backwards. You can only go forwards because it's your only means of escape. And it was this all-encompassing sensory feeling, very much like the bug thing, but different. And I think Riddhi Hendricks is just a great writer in that sense because of that. Claustrophobia is also another another thing that's like a note for for me. I know in uh, Stephen King's The Stand, one of the scenes that everybody says is the most horrifying is going through uh I forget which tunnel in New York it is. But the characters have to go through. I think it. they go through the Lincoln Tunnel. The Lincoln Tunnel. They go through it completely in the dark in the middle of this plague that's going on within the nation so you don't know like if anybody's gonna like pop out and
2: it's like completely in the dark that is a very very unsettling scene side note in about april of 2020 my dad told me that when he was going on walks he was listening to the stand and i was like dad are you kidding me right now (laughs) And he was like, why? What? I'm like, you're listening to a book about a plague while walking around town right now? He was like, oh
1: yeah, I guess that's a little weird. (laughs) Well, I might be just as weird as your dad, because around June of 2020, I started reading The Shining, and I was like, we're stuck in here, and I wonder what's going to happen, because that wasn't pandemic related or plague related um, why they were in Colorado they were isolated and that was scary it was scarier because we were also in a situation where we were a little isolated I wanted to ask if you
0: read the final girls support group the most recent Grady Hendrix because I know we were talking about um, final girls
1: for a minute I did I read that I read um, the final girls support group and then I thought it was good I I think the reason that I liked it is the same reason that i listed as a reason that horror speaks to me it's self-referential so as a new person to horror, you don't need to know everything but it's gonna reference you back to other things and then you can go explore more of the genre i totally
0: agree i was just thinking because one thing that had to do with that book is that the main character is like hyper vigilant all the time and was always worried about like something happening to her because she was like a victim of that massacre and so she, so after i read it or during at that time of the year it was like nice ad. so i was going on a lot of like jogs and walks but what I would ha- happen is i'd be jogging and i'd catch myself like looking over my shoulder and getting really antsy
1: because i was afraid that someone was going to kidnap me and i was like this is the book's fault this the <laughs> and for those who are listening that maybe haven't read the final Girls support group it's a support group for the final girls from now he has taken liberties to change the names of these spree killings by uh, we're thinking of book um of movies like friday the 13th on halloween and you can pick out and kind of figure out which movies he's Referring to, and so the final girls of all of those join a support group, but maybe there needs to only be one final girl.
0: Another thing I like about Grady Hendrix is that, um, like, as I feel like uh, the horror genre obviously can be read by any gender of person, but I do think it's very popular with people who identify as women. And one thing I like about Grady Hendrix is that he almost exclusively writes from the female perspective, but he does it in such a thoughtful, respectful manner. And I never feel like, even though there are women in situations of, of uh, fear and danger and violence, it's never like the violence against women is never graphic
1: in a way that has made me feel uncomfortable. I mentioned that I think Grady, Grady is crossover. so. And I enjoy that there's somewhere to go. So for those readers that have read all the horror in the J section or in the YA section, and they're looking for something a little bit more, but not necessarily experience with maybe more mature content, Grady Hendrix and some Stephen King books are really nice crossovers to like introduce you to adult horror. And I think that that's a good place to be able to refer people who are looking for something more or those new adults who are looking for adult books but horror we do have stephen king
0: books in the ya section yes like like, the girl who loved tom gordon that one i read when i was in high school and it is incredibly creepy because she
2: ends up lost in the woods but that is a good book i had forgotten about that one of his um yeah we've got it In the YA collection, Stephen King's it, I would call I would call Stephen King's it like full blown horror, as as graphic and disturbing as you can possibly get. So if you are looking for crossover, yay Grady Hendrix. Use your discretion with some of the Stephen King. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe like search
0: the internet for content warnings just in case if you have something that is a hard a hard no for you. Maybe do a little research beforehand, but yeah, okay. yeah. I think the girl that who loved Tom Gordon is probably a good starting point for you're just getting into Stephen King because it's a, it's not as thick as his other books, and it is about a young girl too. I think sometimes age age ratings are obviously there for a reason, but sometimes they can be so arbitrary, especially when it comes to a topic like fear. Like for example, Coraline by Neil Gaiman, I've seen it in both the juvenile section and the young adult section. And that I've heard people describe as a terribly scary book, but it really depends on who you ask. It's it's extremely subjective. Right. Has there ever been a book that you had to put down because it was too scary or too gory? I know we talked about that a little bit. I really can't remember ever having put down a book and not finish it because it was too scary. Usually when I go into a book and I'm just not feeling a connection with it, I will put it down and not finish it, but never because it was too scary. Usually um, if we're talking about like stuff that we stay away from in horror, something that I personally can't deal with is um, I don't love body horror um anything super visceral is kind of dicey for me i i said before i prefer more atmospheric horror as opposed to gory horror as well as anything dealing with violence against children or sexual assault that kind of makes me uncomfortable so i try to stay away from that as well but it depends like if it's a really really good book i might try it but i think something the Merciless by Danielle Vega is a Wyatt horror book that was pretty gory, and I liked it anyway. It has a very much stuck in a house with people trying to kill me um, situation, but they're all like high school girls. And that was pretty scary and pretty gory, but I got through it because I was very invested in the story, but I never put that and stopped reading it because I was too scared. Maybe I'm just stubborn. That seems to be a trope. Like high school girls are terrifying. It <laughs> seems to be a trope. They are. There's no fear. <laughs> like the mean girls aspect, yeah. but. You mean know? girls, but add demons. Demons, murders, ghosts, witches.
2: <laughs> I can't remember a specific title, but I will say that I am also the body horror, like too much gore. I can't get into it. It's, it's not even that I'm scared. It's just, it grosses me out and like, I'm not enjoying myself. Um, and as I've gotten older and become a parent stuff happening to young kids, it makes me too upset. So I, if I were for the first time now reading a book like, like Pet Cemetery or something like that, I would not be able to get through it. The
0: thing about that is they, in the movie, and they got the cutest kid to play Gage in that movie. He's so cute, and it makes it a thousand times worse. I know that's one of the books Stephen King himself also says is, like, one of his most
2: terrifying books. But other than that, if a book is really scaring me, that just means that I'm going to stay up all night to finish it. Because once the book is over, the monster's gone, I guess, more or less. Well, you can close the book. I guess that doesn't do it.
0: That'll keep everything inside. That's my logic. (laughs) A funny thing about Pet Cemetery is like I haven't put down a book. This is too scary, but my mom once told me that she was reading Pet Cemetery and she got so scared she like put the book, she hid the book. (laughs) She was like, Nope, not 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 tonight. That that's my logic of it. (laughs) Like if I don't see it, that means I can forget about it.
2: Was anyone a, a fan of the show Friends, where Joey's putting the horror book in the freezer? Yeah, <laughs> my god, and then like he reads Little Women, but it makes him so sad he puts it in the
1: freezer. Yes. <laughs> I think I just turn more lights on in the house, because if it's scary and I'm alone, and then I'm like, oh no, it's gonna get me. So I just pretend it's daytime out there. Just like I... If it's a very scary movie, we're going to watch it in the daylight. In the day. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because in the daytime, nothing can get us. All right. So our next question is, do you guys have favorite horror reads? Any ones
1: you go back and reread over and over again? I am not a rereader. At least not intentionally. Sometimes I will start a book and then not realize that I had started it. And then... I'm halfway through and I'm like, yeah, I already read this. So I do not intentionally reread books, except for a few, like, very specific favorites. And I don't really have horror books that I would reread often. But I can't leave this podcast without mentioning the impact of both Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein, because those authors were the beginning of YA horror. That was the beginning of having something that was not all adult characters and was not from the children's section. So I just finished the first book in the Return to Fear Street series. And it's the same experience from being a teen in the library and like ripping through the Fear Street books because it feels like home it feels like i know even though they're brand new characters or people i've never met before it feels like i know what's going to happen and it's so easy to get immersed in the horror of it and whatever is going on and so we've mentioned stephen king who's like a giant in adult horror but arl stein a lot is owed to him for what he he began in ya horror and is still doing for me Definitely R.L. Stine. Now, I was a little old for Goosebumps, so I didn't do Goosebumps as much, but Goosebumps is where we start our horror journey in children that are readers right now. Goosebumps is where you go when you're like, I want something scary, but I am in second grade. And that's how, child. yes, <laughs> that's where we start our beginning horror lovers. And I think that there's something to be said for that, for an author that's been doing that for decades bringing people up in horror. And I think that that's great. Uh, for me, going back to those like early reads is really powerful. But one of my favorite recent horrors, I really liked Clown in a Cornfield. And there will be a sequel. So you can mark your calendars for that. Because it was just a great October scary. You know, like a horror that's happening in a cornfield. Kids are getting murdered. Some of them are dressed as clowns. What could be better? So for me, the slashery type horror is where it's at. But those like creepy things that I started with when I was first reading R.L. Stein is what brought me to where I am. Courtney, what are your
0: some of your favorite horror reads? Any that you reread over and over again?
2: You know, I don't even remember because Kristen just reminded me about R.L. Stein and I had <laughs> complete, my mind is blown because I loved the Goosebumps books, and I was gonna say that I haven't found horror that I really reread, but I probably read everyone I owned multiple times because it was a series that I was super into, and you know what? They're pretty scary. Like, if I remember, they were pretty, pretty creepy. It was like the, um, the scary story in the Dark. Oh, yeah. Some of that stuff was legitimately scary. And, and there's I, creepy dolls. And there's creepy dolls. And I, I just think it's interesting because if you get into this conversation about aging, you know, like giving an age range for horror. Summer said, how do you determine for fear what the proper age range is? But it's true. Like and like I said, I'm not so super big rereader on horror, but I think that it's an interesting way to think about it is what are we getting out of these books? What are we getting out of reading things that legitimately scare us? And it's one of the most interesting things about the horror genre to me is this idea that there's some sort of emotional catharsis that we're getting from it. Horror has always reflected society and our anxieties and fears and hang-ups in society, and I feel like it's always been a good way at processing the fear that we feel and it's thinking about myself as a kid legitimately scared of the dark you know actually young and very much afraid that there might be something in my closet still choosing to read these stories where there really is something in the closet that wants to eat you and it seems like it just for a lot of people just fills this this role this need to to go through that experience of feeling that fear in relative safety I didn't answer the question, but I talked for a while, so I figure that's okay.
0: <laughs> that is perfectly okay.
2: Absolutely perfect. I figure we've
0: pretty much hit on everyone's favorite, but are there any books that we haven't mentioned of yours, Summer, that you would like to talk about as a favorite? I was thinking about what you said about Arlstein kind of ties into this, because when I was a kid, when I was like in elementary school, Arlstein was having a big moment uh, once again. I think I'm a little in a younger age bracket than a lot of the people who loved R.L. Stein, but it was still really popular. But I was too much of a scaredy cat to read them, I, but I was so intrigued by them. I, What I would do is I would read the back covers, like I would read the summaries, but I wouldn't read the book because it scared me too much. And I think that kind of led into my reading preferences as an adult. And as a teenager, I like atmospheric horror, but sometimes stuff that's really scary wigs me out. And one thing that that brings me into something I read recently that I think would be great for anyone who likes a spooky book, but not necessarily a scary book, is the Stalking Jack the Ripper series by Carrie Maniscalco. It's a YA uh, horror mystery. There are four books, and each one centers around a historical figure they're stalking jack the river hunting prince dracula escaping from houdini and capturing the devil and in the i'm pretty sure that the devil in the fourth one is referring to a american serial killer named h.h holmes but i haven't gotten to that one yet but i read this book a couple years ago and i recently reread it on my e-reader and it was i still really liked it it's about this girl in victorian london who is a really passionate about forensic science and forensic medicine. And she studies with her uncle kind of, you know, she, she studies cadavers and is really interested in the anatomy and the human body, but that plays into the theme of she's not supposed to be doing that because she's supposed to be a proper lady and proper ladies aren't interested in science and dead bodies. But she gets caught up in the Jack the Ripper investigation and she and one of her uncles Uh, other students who may or may not be a love interest start investigating the Jack the Ripper murders. And so there's a mystery element, there's a horror element, there's a gothic element that is really appealing. So if someone is looking for a book that is spooky and scary but not necessarily super graphic or terrifying that I would recommend that series. Nice, and I think a lot of horror has genre crossover with, we said in the beginning, true crime and mystery. Sometimes there's a little romance mixed in. So the last question I have for everyone is, is there anything you haven't seen in the genre that you would
2: like to see in the future? I don't know that I have enough of an overview of genre trends. My brain doesn't seem to work that way. I guess give me more teams of kids who end up crossing dimensions into another world because I like that in any genre, so I need more of it in horror too. More Stranger Things type.
0: <laughs> yes! Actually, uh, Courtney, there. this is a series that does cross genres, it's like fantasy but also horror, it's called the Wayward Children series, and it's about children who have fallen into other dimensions like Alice in Wonderland or Wizard of Oz and when they, like when they come back to our world how do they deal with that with dealing with the regular world and so you get to see them like there's like one world that's like an underworld Greek underworld is another world that's like Jekyll and Hyde and so it does cross into like horror but also fantasy but I definitely think you might like that if you like
1: It's that. hilarious I have
2: spent this entire podcast not talking about wayward children because technically it's classified as an adult series. I'm so sorry. It's amazing. I love I
0: mean, it. <laughs> I didn't mean to assume you hadn't read it. Now I love that, I love that you've read it. I also think that, I like, really think it's a, what what, what did um, Shelia call it, a um, if you evolve past yeah. YA horror and you want to try something a little more, some, if you want to evolve past YA into adult, that's a good starting point. Because also, yes. a lot of the characters are teenagers, even though it's technically classified as an adult book. I think it's a good crossover. Yeah, it
2: absolutely is. And you get like an A++ on Reader's Advisory because you picked out a perfect series for me just based on the couple sentences I said. Oh
0: my goodness. I, I get a gold star. Oh
2: my goodness.
0: It's amazing. i sorry for assuming you hadn't read it, I just didn't think about it. I was like, oh, this is good. Yes. Shauna McGuire has an... Oh, also, if you like Shauna McGuire, who is the author of the Wayward Children series, her adult... She has an adult book that is horror and science fiction called The Middle Game, which is, like, alchemy and crazy, crazy stuff that's amazing. I feel like I've been talking for so long and I'm dominating the conversation. I'm like, I apologize. <laughs> I don't know this is necessarily missing in the genre. It could exist, and I just haven't found it myself. But something I really like is... Horror comedy, like when horror can laugh at itself and parody itself. And I like when horror and paranormal stuff kind of makes fun of itself. Our world, but different. Like, it's two supernatural creatures, but they're also like the odd couple and they're living a, a fairly normal life, but also there's supernatural stuff happening. And it's like, situ- like situational comedy, but with monsters. I really enjoy. And maybe it exists and I just haven't found it. That just reminded me of a book that came out. It's called You're So Dead. It doesn't have to do with monsters. It had deals with influencers.
1: Yes, it was so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that that's another like horror comedy one. So maybe it is starting to get like a little traction too. Yeah, I love those. The crossover genre, like the mixing of two, the horror and the comedy. Because I think there is something to be said about these horrifying situations happening and and finding humor in that sort of, because they amp it up to the ridiculousness level. And I think from what I understand and I've read of the summary of You're So Dead,
1: that seems to happen in that. Yes, I read You're So Dead and it was thoroughly enjoyable and in similar ways that horror is a place to come home to because you kind of know what's going to happen even though you don't necessarily know what's going to happen that's how i felt with you're so dead and it was very like everyone has a secret that comes to this island for a festival is called Pyre Festival. So we know what the reference is, right? So, and we know what happened with Fire Festival, and now we're at Pyre Festival, and I don't feel good about what's about to happen. And so it was definitely a fun, tongue in cheek read about both influencers, but also kind of the thriller genre um, as a whole. I love that self-referential stuff where you can read a book and then leave the book with four or five different things, either podcasts or movies or other books that you found from reading the book. So I want more of that because I know that I haven't explored everything that horror has. And so seeing more books that are referencing the popular culture of horror, I think would be something that I would enjoy.
0: What I've been noticing, I would like to see a little bit
1: more people of color writing in the horror genre. I was so excited to see Tiffany D. Jackson come out with a true horror book. And I didn't mention it because I haven't actually finished the book, so I don't have a ton to say yet. But The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas, I don't know if you've seen the cover on this one, but it's like spooky. Basically, Jake sees ghosts. He sees them looping their death which is really makes it hard to do like high school, right? Because you're in your high school and then you're seeing like this car accident continue to happen. And so I have not gotten through the book yet, but it's really nice to see authors of color in this genre specifically because horror has a lot to say about society. And so seeing more diverse voices is absolutely 100% awesome
0: on that topic um ken bear blake just came out with a new YA horror book she's um a, a korean author and she had the anna dressed in blood series that was popular a while ago i haven't myself read it so i i, I can recommend it, it um uh, hypothetically but her new book is called all of these bodies and it also i think has a vampire element to it again i haven't read it so this is just speculation. just That it's on my to be red shelf at home because it sounds so good. And I wanted to bring that up talking about diverse authors. Yeah, I know Tiffany D. Jackson is diving more into the horror genre. Oh my god,
1: it's awesome.
0: Next section. Her next one, uh, I forget what it's called. The weight of blood is described as a remix of Stephen King's Carrie set at the first integrated prom I was more excited about that one than the white smoke but white smoke was amazing so anything that she writes as far anything that she writes I think I've read everything that she's yes written,
1: so. <laughs> see it's all good but I was really happy to hear she's getting into horror well
0: I follow her on Instagram and she says like she when she was younger that's like what she would write and read and watch and she loves Stephen King and she was like why haven't i written any horror books so this is like her introduction to horror and it just seems like she's been writing it the whole time but she probably has (laughs) as like a side project if you feel like she just cranks out books
1: that's so interesting there are authors that can do that and you're like how is another one coming out? Like, oh, why? One after the other. Like, Stephen King has got something like at least once a year, if not twice a year. And you're like, how are you doing that? Or R.L. Stein was publishing so frequently. It's just incredible to me because it can take me like an hour to write an email. Like, <laughs> so I'm just super impressed with some production of these authors. This is just, I know that we're sort of wrapping up here. And, I do want to add that the pandemic making its way into both horror and romance and all the other genres has been really interesting to see. I think I would, I would be cool with more of that because it's, again, that horror has something to say about society. And so I enjoy seeing what's happening now reflected in horror, which then reflects what's happening back now back at us.
0: I totally agree with the hard, like in society, thing, and I also think that not to be like the girl who keeps talking about monsters, but I definitely think the trends that we see in monster fiction also reflect something about where we're at in society. Like, like, like vampire romance was a big thing for a while, and then there was a big surge of books about zombies, and now I don't, I'm not sure if there's one that overshadows all others but I was like I said we're seeing a trend in vampires again so it kind of makes you think like what about the time we're living in is making us gravitate towards this kind of monster well thanks for joining us today be sure to check out the ocean county library's website for more podcasts and our website's calendar of events page for more events like this All titles mentioned in today's episode can be found through the Ocean County Library, free with your library card. If you have any reader advisory questions you would like to be featured on future episodes, please email us at bleedsofya at gmail.com. Until next time, happy reading.